0: Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Many of you know that we are in a summer series where we're walking through the book of James. Uh, There are some life hacks that we're taking out of that book. And so our series titled is Life Hacks, Practical Advice from the Book of James. And to start each service, we have been doing our own real life hacks. And like we say every week, some of them are really good and some of them are not so good. I have a couple um, for you today that involve turtle wax. That's why I have my turtle wax up here. So I found these on the internet. The first one is if I read if you take turtle wax and on your bathroom mirror, if you... Wax your mirror and you just put the wax on and you wax off like um, the Karate Kid. Now, if you wax on and the wax off like you're doing in your car, what will happen is when you then take a shower and it gets steamy in the bathroom, it will not fog up your window or your, your mirror. And so I thought, okay, wow. So I tried it. We have a medicine cabinet and it's got like three sections you know, of, of mirrors. So I tried it on just one. Put the wax on just like my car, let it sit there for a while waxed it off. Then later on, my wife took a shower and it did not work. It did not work. The mirror was still, the, the one mirror, the section that I did was just as foggy as the other three sections. So I thought everything on the internet was true. But I guess not. So there's another life hack that involves turtle wax that I read about. This one I don't know, I have not tried yet because it involves a snow shovel. You know, around here we get a lot of that lake effect and it's like that thick shoveling snow and when you when you go and it sticks to your shovel, oh, it drives me nuts. Well, the internet tells me that if I put turtle wax on my shovel, I wax on and wipe it off, that the snow will not stick to my shovel. So, We're going to pretend that that one works. We're going to pretend it doesn't work either. Hey, turtle wax for sale, turtle wax. Anybody turtle wax for sale? Uh, Now I actually have to wax my car, I guess. Let's leave it there. Tony says it doesn't work, so apparently that one doesn't work either. This whole internet thing. Okay, I do have one bonus one for you. does not involve turtle wax. This one's tr- proven, we did this one. So last summer we went to um, Colorado and on the way back, you know, you drive through Nebraska and Iowa and Illinois and all the, you get all the bugs on your car. And we washed it and the bugs weren't coming off. Even with little elbow grease in my brush, they weren't coming off. Well, Lori's uncle told us, you take a dryer sheet, you get it wet, and you basically, just like you're washing your car, you just wash it, guess what? The bugs came off. That worked. So get, you know, you wring it out a little bit. It gets foamy. But that really did work. So if you have bugs on your car, you can't get them off. Get a dryer sheet wet. You just wash it like normal. And then I wash the car after it. There's probably some kind of something bad for your car in there. That's why they come off. But hey, <laughs> our paint still is on there. So, But that does work. So, so there's a, a life hack that does work. And that one we didn't find on the internet. So anyway. So... Okay, so there's life hacks that don't work. Here's some life hacks that do work. Today I'm going to be speaking to you from um, the first part of James chapter five. That's where we are. Um, I'll be in verses one through six. Title My Message Today is Life Hacks, Doing Right with Our Riches. Doing Right with Our Riches. And you will see um, as we read, this is it's a fun scripture fun scripture. So James, I'm just going to start right away. Um, James 5.1, if you want to follow along, it'll come up on the screen as well. But James 5.1 says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. So I'm going to stop there and we're going to talk about that. So God, tell us how you really feel. He <laughs> says, now listen, you rich people, weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. I've read this scripture before and when I read it, even to begin this, my, my gut was this. Well, I'm not rich. You rich people. Well, that doesn't include me, right? I think of rich people, I think of like, in the United States, we always say that 1%, right? That you rich people, weep and wail. But then as I start digging, I'm like, no, I think God might be talking to me in this one. So I wanna take a second and just talk about, I wanna define that, what rich is especially to the people in this room, the people that are that are watching um, here in the United States. I looked up some stats and it was the average annual income from different countries around the world. And the way they got these stats were they took, I don't know if it's the GDP, the gross domestic product or whatever, but basically like all the income that the United States, they take in the incomes and then they divide that number by... The, the uh, population. So this includes children that really aren't working. But if you took all that money in and everybody got the same share, we would have an annual income of sixty-five thousand dollars. Again, that doesn't mean everybody makes that. Some people make more, but if we just average that out. But all these stats are figured the same way. So when we look at different countries, we'll get a we'll get an idea here. So the United States average income sixty-five thousand in Canada. It's $46,000, so $19,000 less, just our neighbors to the north. Uh, Neighbors to the south in Mexico, it's $9,500. That's annual income a year that they would make in a year. So I was looking through the list. It didn't even have all the countries. There were 77 listed. The very um, lowest one listed was the Democratic Republic of Congo. There's Congo and then there's this, Democratic Republic of Congo. I didn't know that. Um, but their average annual income is $520 per year. Why do I bring this up? Because I, I want us to understand that we, within the United States, especially the people in this room in Northern Indiana, we are a pretty blessed society. We would be considered rich. When God says, now listen, you rich people, He's talking to us. He's talking to all of us. I know there are some people that are richer than other people, but he is talking to us. And so now, if we look at it and we're all rich, what what do we need to do with that? Should we feel guilty that we're rich? I struggled with this for a while. There's a picture that will come up. I um, have taken four missions trips to Costa Rica and this is uh, one place that on all four trips that we uh, would go to, it's called La Cuenca. If you translate that, it translates to, it means the ditch. I know some people in the room, they have, they have been here. Basically, it's the ditch because this is a squatters community where they just come and they make these makeshift shacks, literally, and that's not a great picture of it, but there are these shacks. That's where they, where they live, and what, what caught me there, the first year, I, I never forget. I didn't really say much the, the first day that I was just kind of taking it all in. But I remember thinking most of that day of how lucky I was. Like, I, I'm like, do I, should I feel guilty because I wasn't born into that community, that I was born here? There's a picture that'll come up, this, this, this boy was there. Like what, should I feel guilty that I'm not him? This, this boy was born in La Cuenca. He didn't have that choice. And so, I, you know, I was thinking about that. and I'm like, yeah, I feel guilty. And the reason I bring the guilt up because I don't think God is, is calling us to feel guilty about that. There's some scripture that says, give up everything and follow me, follow Jesus. There's that. But if you look at this scripture, in Luke 12:48, it says this. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. So instead of feeling guilty of like, man, I feel guilty that I'm born into the United States with with all that I have. And I've been blessed with this. The scripture tells for everyone that has been given much. God is going to give some of us more than others. And it's not about feeling guilty about having more. It's more about what are we going to do with what we have? Okay, what are we gonna do? And that's what this message today is gonna be about. It's not to make you feel guilty because we have all this richness. And when I say richness, I'm talking about money, obviously, but I'm also talking about um, we're rich with time, we're rich with resources, right? So, I mean, you look down here, if you just stand out here and you see some of the cars that drive by, we're rich with those. Um, time, in my job, you know, I work here, I get vacation days. That, that is part of my richness. That's part of my wealth. So, so, so yeah, it's money, but it's bigger than that as well. Okay, but, but God has blessed me with that. But he also now demands that I do something about it. And that's what this message is about. In my Bible, it says, um, that the topic of these six verses is warning to rich oppressors. So it's saying, hey, you, even though you're rich, that's great, but don't oppress people with it. What are you going to do with it? And so that's life hack number one. It's just kind of an introduction to what I'm really gonna talk about today. But the life hack number one is to heed God's warning. It's a warning. It's not a guilt trip. It's not saying, hey, be guilty because you're rich. Be, be. He's saying, I'm warning you, do these things with your riches. If you don't do these things with your riches, some bad things can happen. You'll see he doesn't pull, hold any punches. He doesn't pull any punches with, with the scripture. So life hack number one is... is Heed God's warning. And again, it's what we do with our riches. Uh, Dave Ramsey, I, I've, I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey, and I just took Financial Peace University. One of the things that, that he says is if we live like nobody else now, it's so we can live and give like nobody else in, in the future. And so that's what it is. It's We have a certain lifestyle that we live. We also have a responsibility to give. And when I say we, we as a as an individual, we as a church, a lighthouse vineyard church have a responsibility. We as a big C everybody church, we have a responsibility to give like nobody else. So life hack number one: heed God's warning. Heed God's warning. Heed God's warning. Verses two and three from James 5. It says, Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify you, or to testify against you, and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Again, it's pretty in your faith. I don't know about you, but I don't want my flesh to be eaten. Okay, I don't want it to be eaten. But God says, Your wealth. Your money, it's gonna be it's gonna corrode. It's gonna corrode. Let's look at let's look at wealth and money. There, there's kind of two parts to this. There is an an actual earthly part, of the United States, what does money do? We're gonna look at that, and then and what does it mean like eternally, that same thing. So let's look at it this way. Money for us is a generally Upward trend, money trends upward. By this, I mean, if we, if we invest, I know not right now with the markets fluctuating and sometimes it goes down, but if you put money in, in investments, okay, whether it's the stock market or whatever, it generally has over 10, 20 year period, it's gonna, it's gonna trend upward. It's gonna be worth more than, than it is now. A lot of us probably have retirement accounts and that's what they bank on, that this money is going to be an upward trend. Property, if you buy a house or property, same thing. That's, that's a wealth thing. It's gonna be a generally upward trend. That's in our eyes. That's in society's eyes, right? My house in 20 years, just through inflation and things, will be worth more than it is now. Because money on earth is a gener, gen, generally upwardly, how do I say that? It's upward, it goes up. It makes, you make more. But eternally, it doesn't work that way. The way God sees money, money is a downward trend. It's the opposite, right? If the scripture says, your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes, your gold and silver are corroded. So in God's eyes, if we take all this money and you take it and you just keep keep trying to make more and make more and make more because on earth it's an upward trend, God's saying, no, it's gonna corrode. In my eyes, your wealth is a downward trend. Your money is gonna be worth less to you in 20 years in God's eyes. It's hard for us to think that because we do. We just think of this upward trend. So what do we do? Does that mean God doesn't want us to have money? No, what God's saying is don't put your investments into money and wealth, put them into me. Put them into heavenly things. Look at this scripture from Matthew 6. Matthew 6, 20 says, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. People and things can get to our money on earth. So if we, if we invest in just that money and we don't give back, that's what will happen, it corrodes. But when we invest into heavenly things, when we listen for what God wants us to do, we listen for ways that God wants us to give back, we are storing up treasures in heaven. And those treasures in heaven, they are worth way more than whatever your savings account says here on earth. And they, and they, they will not go down. God will not forget them. They, they will grow. You will grow with heavenly rewards. I do think there's some value of, uh, on earth here for us too as we, as we invest into heavenly things. Look at this verse, 1 Timothy 6, 17. Command those who are rich in this present world, that's us, not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth. So don't put your hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in money because it's so uncertain. Um, but put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And I highlighted the word enjoyment. When we put our hope in God, when we do things that God wants us to do, we will find joy in that. Here in a second, there are some photos that are gonna come up. This has been about a year ago, I believe. Um, Our church did an outreach where um, people went out and they put together beds and uh, we bought um, sheets and blankets and things for for people in our community that were what God would call the oppressed, people in need. They didn't have beds. There were some, some people, mostly kids, were sleeping on the couch or they were sleeping on the floor, so uh, we, did, we had an outreach where we went out and, and basically put together beds and, and all this. And there's some pictures that come up and I want, I want you, there's something common with all of these photos, with all these pictures I want you to see. So here come the pictures. Just see what, what's, in, what's common with all of these What's common? What's this thing? Smile. Smiles. Every photo are people smiling. Because God says, when you put your trust in me, when you do things for me, I will bring you joy. I will give you enjoyment. I went through the, the, the list of those. Either way, there's more pictures I can show you where they're smiling. And I know people smile for pictures. But the only photos in that entire group that they took that I went through, the only pictures that I did not see people smiling were the pictures where I couldn't see their faces. Even the picture, there's one of Tony and a little girl where they're actually, they're working, putting the bed together and they have smiles on their face. Because that's a promise from God that when we put our wealth, and again, that's time and money and energy into godly things, to helping the oppressed, The people that need it, when we put our time and energy into that, he will bring us joy because he promises that in that verse in 1 Timothy. That's encouraging to me. Life hack number two, you can write this in if you want. Heavenly mutual funds outperform earthly mutual funds. When we put, when we invest, I say put, when we invest our time and our money and our resources towards heavenly things, they will always, always, always outperform if we put the money in bank. Let's move on. James 5, 4 says this. says, look, the wages you have failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. And so what's happening in the scripture is people are doing, they're they're harvesting the field, they're doing projects, they're doing work for uh, for the rich people and the rich aren't paying them. And so he's saying, hey, wait a minute. The wages you fail to, to pay the workers, they're crying out against you. And so in our times, what does that mean? That means it's, it's being honest and doing the right thing with what we've got. It's not cheating. So in, in 2020, what does this mean? I look at things like taxes. It's an obligation, whether we agree with it or not agree with it, right? We, we owe taxes. We shouldn't cheat on our taxes. I thought of things too when, when um, I'll hear people say, like, oh, I bought this or that and I got such a great deal on it. And and part of me thinks, okay, did you, is it a great deal for you? Was it a great deal for the person that sold that to you? I think part of that is we, we have to think of that. When you're buying something, if you go to a garage sale or yard sale, pay what you feel it's worth. Don't try to get the greatest deal on earth because it, what, are, what is a great deal for you may not be a great deal for the person that's selling that to you. And we may not even realize it, but we're oppressing Somebody that might need that. In the verse, Matthew 7, or no, Romans thirteen eight says this. It says, um, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. So if you owe somebody, pay them. Pay them fairly. When we go places, we represent Jesus Christ. If you go to a restaurant, right? Go back to the, you rich people. If we go to restaurants, it means we can afford to go to a restaurant. So tip graciously. Tip graciously. Because we don't know what that person is like. I would, I would argue that, that I make more money than the person that's waiting on me. So tip graciously. That's what I think God is telling us in that be fair with your money. In Matthew 7, 12, it says, so in everything, do to others that you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law of the prophets. It's the golden rule, right? And I, feel, I put that in because I felt that if, if somebody owed me money, I would want them to pay me. So if, if I feel that way, then I should do that to somebody else. And before we move on, Let me do this. Life hack number three is this. Be moral with your means. Be moral with your means. I have a little side with this as well. The second sentence of James 4 says this. It says, the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. Remember, the harvesters, that's the oppressed. So the cries of the oppressed have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. The human race, we are a lot better people if we take care of things before the cries of the oppressed get to the Lord. Does that make sense? We need to do things because we do them. As a church, big church, as a church, lighthouse church, as us individual, we need to do things before the cries get to the Lord. There are people that are oppressed. There are people that are in need. Let's take care of them. Let's take care of them. The last two verses, five and six, says you have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourself in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. This verse really hit me when I was putting this message together. And it was that last part. It says you have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. So there's an innocent one, there's somebody in need I was thinking of like homeless or um, panhandle people that stand on the street quarters and beg, right? We call them beggars sometimes. They're begging for money. Because in my mind, I judge that. I judge that. There's been, you know, around in our area, in South Bend, in Elkhart area, there have been people that panhandle that, Others say, well, they don't need it, right? I've seen pictures of, of, or videos of somebody that panhandles and then they go around and they get into their like, luxurious car and they drive away. And so that thought comes into my mind. Last weekend, my wife and I were able to go um, away for our anniversary and we went to Indianapolis. We went downtown and there were, there were homeless people like laying on the streets there. And in my mind, right, in my mind, I'm judging that. I'm like, you know what, that's a real homeless person. I'm not thinking of these panhandlers, right? But what am I doing? I'm oppressing. I'm being the one that's, that's being judgmental. When I should just give. If I give to somebody that really doesn't need it, that's, that's on them, that's not on me. That's between them and God. I should just give. I don't know their situation, right? And it says this, it says, "The oppressed who was not opposing you. Those people, they're not opposing us. They're not against us. They're just asking for help. We shouldn't be the ones that judge who needs help. We should just help, right? If we think one bad apple ruins a whole bunch, that's, that's sometimes how I feel about it. If I think about those panhandlers, those beggars that are on the street, oh, they don't really need it. So I don't give to any." beggar or any panhandler because that one person, I might think they don't need it. One apple ruins the whole bunch. But you know, in all actuality, if one apple ruins the whole bunch, guess what? There's still a whole bunch. There is still a whole bunch. And that's not our job to judge who needs it. It's just our job to give. There's four scriptures. I was gonna, you go through and I was looking up scripture for this and there's all kinds of things. I could have put a hundred of these. Well, maybe not a hundred. I could have put a lot more scriptures, but I wanted to share these four scriptures with you. Three of them are from Proverbs. Proverbs 19:17 says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Whew. That's just like the, when, we blend to the, when we build beds for the poor, he will repay us. With joy. Proverbs fourteen thirty-one says, Whoever oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy honors God. Proverbs twenty-two nine. The generous will themselves be blessed, for they share their food with the poor. And then the last one is from Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy fifteen eleven says There will always be poor people in the land. I'm gonna read that again. There will always be poor people in the land. Therefore, I, God, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites who are poor and needy in your land. Guys, we live in a very blessed society. We are a very blessed people. There will always be poor in the land. It's our obligation to give, not to oppress them, to give. And so, your last life hack is this give graciously. Give graciously. There are many opportunities for us to give. You can give individually. Now, sometimes people don't feel comfortable giving to somebody that's panhandling on the street. That's fine. Do some research. There are all kinds of organizations out there that are designed to help the needy. So give to them. I know um, Pastor Clint's daughter, Anna, is, she's actually in California now in Los Angeles and she works for a nonprofit that um, is for the homeless, they have a really bad, Los Angeles has a really bad homeless situation in the last few years. So give to organizations like that, that are, that, that are there to help lend a hand. Because there will always be poor in our society, right around us, in our country, in our world. It's our obligation as the church, as individual members of the church, to give graciously. Rose is going to come up, and she's going to close us with a time of prayer.
1: So the phrase that came to my mind when I was thinking about what we should pray about was, keep your hands open. That's what I kept hearing from the Lord, is keep your hands open. Nelson, will you put up Deuteronomy 15:11 again? It says, "Therefore, I command you to be open-handed toward your fellow Israelites, who are poor and needy in your land. Keep your hands open. And it's also being available. Keep your hands open with your time, your energy, your finances. with who you are, also keeping your heart open to what the Lord wants you to do. This takes intentionality, <laughs> and it takes commitment. And I, I don't think it's, this is just for a few of us in the room, but it's a command from the Lord from all of, to all of us. It's to all of us. So for prayer time, I would like all of us to go ahead and stand with me, but just put your hands out as a representation. I'm going to stay open-handed. Just like the Lord says in Deuteronomy, be open-handed to those around you who are in need. It's the Lord Jesus. We thank you that you know what is best for us. And sometimes what is best for us is not to keep things to ourselves, but it's to be available. It's to be kind. It's to be generous. And it's to be giving to those around us, it's to be selfless. Lord, would you help us to be selfless and to consider and to think about those around us? So, Lord, would you give us an increase in discernment and wisdom in knowing when you are speaking to us and when you are giving us opportunities to be kind and giving and generous to those around us? Lord, we want to know your heart towards other people. Lord, would you change our hearts to be more like yours? Lord, we thank you that you know what is best for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless everyone in this room. Would you bless their hands? Would you bless their hearts, Lord, with opportunities to give and to be generous? Because, Lord, it's a blessing, and it's a privilege, and it's an honor to give. It's a privilege, Lord. So, Lord, would you give us opportunities to give of our time and our energy and our money and our abilities? Lord, I thank you for speaking to us and for being with us. So, Lord, would you bless each person in this room and those watching online as well. I pray that we would all have a good week. Lord, that we would see your activity in our lives. And, Lord, that we would experience you this week. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.